Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hi, I'm attorney Sean Bigley, and I'm here with my co-host Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. We're talking this segment about guilt by association for security clearance holders and specifically what to do about that shady family member or friend who you might not like to report on your SF-86, but may have an obligation to do so. So Lindy, I think, you know, some people might chuckle at this topic. You know, hopefully most clearance holders don't have shady associates, but we can't help who we're related to. And I know that for some folks, that's a problem. Is this a topic that you see come up frequently? Oh, I mean, who doesn't have shady family members? Online? You've never <laughs> met my cousin Frank before. So this comes up and this actually the way I see it come up with security clearance cases. And I'd be curious to get your feedback on that. I have seen specific cases where someone did not list a relative who was required to be listed on the form because that individual had a criminal record or some other issue. And then they lost their security clearance because in this one case, this guy repeatedly denied that this dude was his brother. I mean, who hasn't tried to deny their brother's existence at some point? But he just went to the mattresses like, no, I don't have a brother. This guy's not my brother or related to me because he was in prison. Obviously, he lost his security clearance for lying on the form. I actually, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs, but I can't speculate, but I doubt he would have lost his security clearance if he had simply listed, hey, my brother is in prison. This is why I haven't had contact with my brother in, you know, X, Y, Z months, or I'm not, you know, associated with his criminal activity. Again, like you mentioned, using the additional comment section on the form is a great idea. But where I've seen it is where folks who are nervous or, or worried about their relatives don't list them, and then that comes back to bite them. Yes. The irony in this is precisely what you alluded to, which is in most cases, had the individual listed the relative on the SF-86, if they were required to do so, it wouldn't have been a problem. Now, obviously, you know, you have some discretion about who you list as, for example, people who know you well and things like that. So I certainly wouldn't list somebody who is, you know, incarcerated or who has a lengthy criminal history as a reference when you can avoid doing so. Now, probably shouldn't also be associating with those type of folks if you want to get or keep the clearance, but that's a whole other ball of wax. The issue here really is the issue of candor. It's not so much in most cases, the association, because as you pointed out, the reality is most of the time this comes up, it is, you know, an estranged relative. And somebody says, you know, my dad, who I haven't spoken to in 20 years is in prison, or my brother, you know, has this lengthy criminal history. And yeah, he's my brother, I can't disown him. But, you know, I, I keep him at an arm's length and I have nothing to do with anything that he's involved in. I mean, most of the time that's going to be sufficient because, you know, we don't get held to account for something that another adult does that we have no control over. That's kind of the reality of life in a democratic society. So why does the government care about relatives on the form? And I think it comes down to that kind of association bond of affection blackmail issue. So maybe can you speak to that? Like if you know you have some relatives that you're gonna have to list that you're like, oh man, I don't, or you've written about this before too, like references or folks that the government might talk to who might actually lie or say things that you're not 
eager for them to say. Is there a way that candidates can kind of get ahead of that or information that they should provide on the form if they have some kind of scandalous relatives out there? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. At the end of the day, I mean, the the exception to the rule is, you know, if you are somehow involved in what these people are doing. I mean, obviously, if that's the case, then I would say probably don't waste your time applying for the clearance. But the government doesn't know that until you tell them. They are going to sort of assume that, you know, there is some affiliation there if the person's actively involved in criminal activity or you're benefiting from it somehow. Or more commonly, you are, by associating with them, opening yourself up to situations where, you know, you could be either exploited somehow or put in a situation where you're, you know, surrounded by a criminal element or drugs or, you know, something else that the government doesn't like. So they don't like the the idea that you could be exposed to that as a clearance holder and, you know, potentially tempted to engage in illegal activity. So as long as you can affirmatively and credibly disclaim that and say, no, you know, I don't have any contact with this relative or this person who used to be a friend many years ago is not in my life anymore. Whatever the situation is, as long as you can demonstrate that sort of bond is not continuing and is something that you have either worked to minimize or cut off entirely, therefore, you know, eliminating the potential for these type of situations, that's most of the time going to cut it. Now, there are kind of some exceptions to the rule, though, that we need to talk about. And that's where this gets a little tricky for people. And and that is there are a handful of agencies, predominantly law enforcement agencies, that have specific kind of suitability criteria where they say, you know what, because of your relationship with this person, we don't think that, you know, you're a good fit for our agency, because we think that there's too much of a risk that, you know, this person is going to pressure you to abuse your position to benefit them. For example, if you are somebody who has a relative or a spouse who doesn't have legal status in the United States, That is something that comes up actually with surprising frequency. People who are applying to DHS components that deal with immigration issues, ICE, CBP, USCIS, that usually doesn't fly. And they just say, you know, thank you for your application, but we're sorry, we're not going to be able to move forward with this process. Similarly, if you have a relative with an extensive history of drug-related crimes and you want to go work for the DEA, that might be a problem. Um, I have seen it also come up in cases where somebody wants to be a prosecutor or some other kind of law enforcement-related position and they've got a close relative who's you know, on trial or serving time or something like that, and, and that's generally a problem as well. But outside of those kind of very specific scenarios, most of the time it is precisely as we discussed earlier, which is a non-issue as long as you are fully forthcoming about it and as long as you are very clear that you know you recognize the issue and you are doing whatever needs to be done to kind of keep that person from influencing you. So don't try to hide your shady relatives because the government will always find out. They generally do. I mean, I'm sure there are I'm sure there are people who have have gotten away and, and, you know, haven't been discovered with omitting folks. I always tell people, like, don't tempt fate on this one. The penalties are pretty severe if you get caught falsifying stuff. You know, you got to ask yourself, is this job really worth 
the risk of being prosecuted? And hopefully for everybody, the answer to that is no. And share what you know, and you don't need to share what you don't know, too. It's, it, I feel like it's similar with relatives. It is with foreign contacts, too, because I've had that come up. People have messy family situations, right? So you might have half siblings or relatives that you're not not in contact with or don't know about. So I feel like indicating what you know on the form without feeling a need to chase down what you don't know or what is going to put you at more risk to try to verify is good advice when it comes to relatives as well, in my experience. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, that that brings up another point as well. We've talked in the past about, you know, speculation on the form and how so many applicants really dig themselves a hole by needlessly speculating about things that, you know, they have no way of proving or disproving. But as soon as they put it out there, now the onus is on them and the government's kind of saying, well, you know, you you made this assumption based on something. So most of the time, speculation is a terrible idea. You are, as you said, generally just obligated to report what you know. So we see cases where, you know, somebody has an estranged relative they haven't spoken with in years. They don't know their address. They don't know you know, some other data point, date of birth, whatever, the government's not expecting you to go chase down that relative that you're estranged from and haven't spoken to in decades. You just put unknown and then you use the comment section to explain the situation and, you know, that that's really the only information you have. You've, you've given them what they have. And, and generally that is going to be sufficient, absent, you know, really unusual circumstances. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.